You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Venezia, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. Nevertheless, God was at work. So what do we take away from all of this? No matter what's going on in your life, the thing that seems you know, so evil, the thing that's so dark, where we're trying to make heads or tails of it, we're wondering how can God you know, turn this thing around for us? How can he bring something good out of something that's so evil? You can be sure that God is at work. Nevertheless, no matter what you're facing, be sure of that. As we come to the end of David's life, we can look back at it and see that it was full of ups and downs. The situation following the succession of his throne was just as stressful. Throughout all of David's life, though, we can clearly see the Lord guiding him and working in him despite the times where he fell short. In today's message, Pastor Mike will encourage us that God has been just as faithful in our lives. As we go throughout life, we must trust that God is working in the ups and downs that this world gives. Now, here's Pastor Mike in the book of 1 Kings chapter 1 as he continues his message, God's Purpose Prevails. So he's only confirming what had been told him by his wife Bathsheba. But me, thy servant, and Zadok, the priest, and Benaniah, the son of Jehoiada, and thy servant Solomon, hath he not called to attend the feast? Is this thing done by my lord, the king? And thou hast not showed it unto thy servant? Have you done this secretly? Do you approve of this, basically, is what he's suggesting here? That he should sit upon the throne of my lord the king after him? Then King David responded and answered and said, Call me Bathsheba. And she came into the king's presence and stood before the king. And the king swore and said, and please take note of this, what a great testimony of David that is recorded here for us in verse 29. He said, As the Lord liveth, that hath redeemed my soul out of all distress. In other words, he's referring to God as his deliverer. What a great testimony. And I suspect that if any of us were given an opportunity, we would be able to describe our God, Jesus, in the same way, as our deliverer. You know, looking back upon our lives, how many times has God delivered us out of all of our difficult circumstances and situations? So what a great testimony. But also I want you to notice here 
that he didn't say, David didn't say, he kept my soul from all distress. Do you see that? He didn't say that he kept him from all distress. Obviously, he was not immune, and neither are we, right? Just because we are Christians, just because we've been called to be uh, children of God, but nevertheless, God allows us to go through those difficulties in our life's experience only to prove us and to test us and to you know, cause us to depend more upon uh, him. So what a great testimony. As the Lord liveth, that hath redeemed my soul out of all distress. And then he goes on in verse 30. Even as I swear unto thee by the Lord God of Israel, saying, Assuredly, Solomon, thy son, shall reign after me, and he shall sit upon my throne in my stead. Even so will I certainly do this day. Then Bathsheba bowed with her face to the earth and did reverence to the king, and said, Let my Lord King David live forever. And King David said, Call me Zadok the priest, and Nathan the prophet, and Benaiah the son of Jehoiada. And they came before the king. Now this was the king's council, verse 33. The king also said unto them, Take with you the servants of your Lord, and cause Solomon my son to ride upon mine own mule, and bring him down to Gihon. Now, the animal, this, the reference to the mule here, wasn't a donkey, but rather a, a mule. A donkey would have been a hybrid, but a mule was a very precious animal. It was a very costly animal to be able to purchase. And the king always rode upon a, a mule and not a donkey. So notice he says that the mule that had been set aside for David, it was his own personal mule, his counsel, let Solomon ride upon that mule. And by the way, just another bit of trivia, when a king went to battle, he didn't ride upon a mule, he rather rode upon a, a horse. So the horse was an animal of warfare. And I would also remind you that remember when Jesus triumphantly entered into Jerusalem, he rode upon a mule, and they cried out, Hosanna, Hosanna, cometh, here comes the king. So the idea here is that Solomon would be a king about to enter into his kingdom. And notice also the reference to Gihon. This is a reference to the springs of Gihon, which was the main source of water for the city of Jerusalem. It was just outside of the city of Jerusalem. So people then would congregate there on a regular basis daily to get their water supply. So there would have been many people there. So he wants this done publicly. He wants Solomon to be consecrated and anointed as next king where there were many people present. So go down to the spring of Gihon. And then in verse 35, Then ye shall come up after him, that he may come and sit upon my throne. For he shall be king in my stead. And I have appointed him to be ruler over Israel and over Judah. And Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, answered the king and said, Amen. So be it. The Lord God of my Lord, the king, say so too. As the Lord hath been with my Lord, the king even so be with Solomon. And make his throne greater than the throne of my Lord David. And so Zadok, the priest, 
Nathan the prophet, Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, and the Cherethites and the Perethites. These were the bodyguards of David. These were a part of David's mighty men. And they went down to the spring of Gihon, and they caused Solomon to ride upon King David's mule and brought him to Gihon. You know, the equivalent of this would have been sort of like a presidential motorcade, if you will. You know, so just think of it in that way. And Zadok the priest took an horn of oil in the presence of all of these people that there were there at that spring out of the tabernacle and they anointed Solomon and they blew the trumpet and all the people said, God saved the uh, king. So now there was no question as to who David had chosen in his place. And then in verse 40, and all the people came up after him, and all the people piped with pipes or with flutes, and rejoiced with great joy, so that the earth rent with the sound of them. There was such rejoicing, there was great noise that they made. Now, back at the ball, remember Adonijah, his little party that was going on to muster up support for himself as the next king? All of a sudden, that was interrupted by this great noise and sound, the anointed of Solomon as the next king. Verse 41, And Adonijah, right in the midst of his ball, and all the guests that were with him, heard it as they had made an end of eating. And when Joab, that is David's general, heard the sound of the trumpet, he said, Wherefore is this noise? What's going on? Of the city being in an uproar. And while he had spake, behold, Jonathan, the son of Abiathar, the priest came, the high priest's son, came and said unto him, Come in, for thou art a valiant man, and bringest good tidings. Folks, let me tell you something. This was in good tidings that he brought. So what did he declare? Well, and Jonathan answered in verse 43, and said to Adonijah, Verily, our Lord King David hath made Solomon king, and the king hath sent with him Zadok the priest, and Nathan the prophet, and Benoni the son of Jehoiada, and the Cherethites, and the Pelethites, and they have caused him to ride upon the king's mule. And Zadok the priest, and Nathan the prophet, have anointed him king in Gihon, and they are come up from thence rejoicing so that the city rang again. This is the noise that you have heard. And also Solomon sitteth upon the throne of the kingdom. And moreover, the king's servants came to bless our Lord, King David, saying, God make the name of Solomon better than thy name, and make his throne greater than thy throne. And the king bowed himself upon the bed. And also thus saith the king, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, which hath given one to sit on my throne this day, mine eyes even seeing it. So this was the seal of approval. But notice, I want you to take special note of the reference here that David is, makes the reference to that in spite of everything that had been going on, this plot by this conspiracy of Adonijah, Nevertheless, God was at work. The reference to that is found here in verse 48, 
where he says that God, notice, the God of Israel hath given one to sit upon my throne this day, mine eyes even seeing it. So in spite of this evil conspiracy, this plot of Adonijah, nevertheless, God was at work. So what do we take away from all of this? No matter what's going on in your life, the thing that seems you know, so evil, the thing that's so dark, where we're trying to make heads or tails of it, we're wondering how can God you know, turn this thing around for us? How can he bring something good out of something that's so evil? You can be sure that God is at work. Nevertheless, no matter what you're facing, be sure of that. Well, in verse 49, let's go back to this great feast that Adonijah had made. Notice their response after this news had been brought back to them. And all the guests that were with Adonijah were afraid, and they rose up and went every man his own way. In other words, they got out of there in a hurry, as fast as their feet could carry them, because they didn't want to be regarded as traitors by Solomon. And then in verse 50, And Adonijah feared because of Solomon, and arose and went and caught hold on the horns of the altar. Now, this is interesting. The horns of the altar. When someone was in danger, like someone had committed a crime or was involved in some altercation where someone was killed, the person who was being indicted for their crime they would flee to the tabernacle and they would hold on to the corners of the altar pleading for mercy until their case could be heard. They wouldn't be able to be taken out of the tabernacle until the case had been presented and they came to the correct conclusions. So that's what's going on here. And that's what Solomon had done. So he fleed to the tabernacle and he held on to the horns or the corners of the altar. The religious altar was a place of sanctuary against justice or vengeance. An accused man might find safety if he could flee to an altar before he was apprehended. So basically, that's what's going on here. Okay, let's go back to our text. Verse 51. And it was told Solomon, saying, Behold, Adonijah feareth King Solomon, for lo, he hath caught hold on the horns of the altar, saying, Let King Solomon swear unto me today that he will not slay his servant with the sword. And Solomon said, If he will show himself a worthy man, there shall not a hair of him fall to the earth, but if wickedness shall be found in him, he shall die. So Solomon is basically giving Adonijah a second chance. He's showing himself actually fair, how that he would be fair in his dealings with Adonijah if he had shown himself loyal to Solomon as the next king. So King Solomon sent, and they brought him down from the altar, Adonijah, and he came and bowed himself to King Solomon. And Solomon said unto him, Go to thine house. So obviously, he submitted himself to the kingship of Solomon, and then he was dismissed. Okay, now, I want to bring you back to verse 48. So let's go back to our text here in verse 48. And I want to read it one more time, 
because there is some uh, point that I think is very important that I want to uh, address here. In verse 48, And also thus saith the king, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, which hath given one to sit on my throne this day, mine eyes even seeing it. Okay, so, now remember now, this is David speaking, and this is David's uh, testimony. So as far as David was concerned, as I've already mentioned, God had been at work in the midst of all of what was going on, all of this situation, to perform his will. And, and yes, it may seem to be a surprising assessment by David, right? When you consider everything that was going on. Why, why did even God allow this plot to begin in the, the first place? All through the account, we may wonder, you know, where was God in all of this? But nevertheless, David affirms that God was involved all along. So why did God allow this to even happen? Why didn't he shut Adonijah down right from the very beginning? Well, God allowed Adonijah to show his true colors so that no one could finally question whether Solomon was indeed the right choice. You know, Ronald Wallace, in his commentary, perceptively notes concerning this, and he says, it is a characteristic of the way God deals with opposition to his rule that he often allows his opponents full scope to express what is in their minds and hearts so that there may be no doubt that in the end they deserved the punishment they received. He thus allows evil movements often to break out and ripen in order to show their true nature before they are finally crushed. Now, one final thing. This account of Adonijah's vain attempt to seize the throne may very well cause us to think of the second psalm and what is recorded for us in the second psalm. And let's begin in reading verses 1 through 3. And I want you to think about this as a whole. I want you to think about you know, God's anointed, the Father's appointment of king over the earth, who of course is Jesus. And in the second psalm, we read verses 1 through 3. Why do the heathen rage, and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. And who is God the Father's anointed? It's Jesus Christ. Now, what were they trying to do? Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. You know what this reminds me of? Remember when Pilate presented Jesus after his scourging, his beatings, back to the people who were crying out for his crucifixion? And they all cried out with one voice, we will not have this man to rule over us. And isn't that the same cry that goes out today? We will not have Jesus, God's appointed king, to rule over us. Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. You know, there we find that just as David has designated Solomon to be king of Israel, so God has designated his son, Jesus Christ, to be king. Now, as we look further at this psalm, 
we discover yet another parallel. Just as David's designated king Solomon was resisted and opposed by Adonijah and his followers, so God's designated king, Jesus, is resisted and opposed by many. And they think that they can successfully resist. Now, how does God respond to all of this? You know, even today, within our culture, within our society, around the world, you know, people think that they can also oppose God's appointed ruler, who is Jesus as a king. And they think that they can successfully resist. And how does God respond to all of this? Is he scared? Is he frightened? Does he hold court in heaven with the heavenly angels and the 24 elders trying to figure out what they're going to do? Well, notice, let's read on here in the second psalm, beginning in verse 4. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree. The Lord had said unto me, Thou art my son this day, have I begotten thee. Ask of me, and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. That shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. This will be their their end. Now the council, I would suggest, if there are any here that are resisting having King Jesus to rule and reign over you, oh boy, you're heading for disaster, and you can be sure of that. So here's the counsel, just in case. Notice what it says in verse 10. Be wise. Now therefore, O ye kings, be instructed, ye judges of the earth. In other words, don't nurse any hopes of succeeding against God. Be wise. Verse 11. Serve the Lord with reverence and rejoice with trembling. In other words, recognize his sovereignty and greatness. Recognize that there is joy and happiness to be found, not in resisting him, but rather in submitting to him. And then in verse 12, kiss the son, lest he be angry, and ye perish from the way, when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all they that put their trust in him. In other words, kiss the son, show him true affection, show true affection to God's anointed who is Jesus. And if you refuse, you'll perish in the way. You'll only find that you haven't defeated God's anointed, that have only succeeded in kindling God's wrath against you. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be. Every person's life goes through different seasons. There are seasons of war and seasons of rest, and each season has a purpose. When Solomon became king, he said this, You know that David, my father, could not build a house for the name of the Lord his God because of the warfare with which his enemy surrounded him until the Lord put them under the soles of his feet. 
But now the Lord my God has given me rest on every side. There is neither adversary nor misfortune. And so I intend to build a house for the name of the Lord my God. Are you in a season of rest? Those seasons are given to us so that we can have time to build. What are you building for the Lord in this season? You've been listening to In My Father's House with Pastor Mike Fenizio. Pastor Mike has been teaching his way through the book of 1 Kings, and we've been learning so much together. I'm glad you've been here for it. I don't know about you, but hearing these great messages makes me hungry for even more. If that's you, boy, are you in luck. We have additional audio available to you through one place, or you can head over to our website and click on the headphones in the resources tab. That website is harvestnyc.org. Once again, harvestnyc.org. Or you can subscribe to our podcast and listen at your leisure. If you'd prefer to watch instead of just listen, we've got messages for you as well. On our website, there is a link to Vimeo. Check it out. And be sure to come back again as Pastor Mike continues this series through the book of 1 Kings, right here on In My Father's House. Not be troubled